will have the deaf dismissed at this time. I mean, deaf, I'm sorry. The teenagers are deaf, are they not? And um, I'm sorry, we'll have the teens dismissed at this time. Oh, it's been a busy, busy week. And uh, see if I can get this out of my nose here. And let's uh, go to the book of Proverbs once again. Uh, We are going to endeavor to cover an entire chapter, chapter 7. And uh, again, when we do that, we will not be covering every verse. I mean, there are many uh, verses that you could spend the whole night on. And uh, of course, our goal is to... Just do a summary. We've been 11 weeks in the book of Proverbs, and we've got, um, what would that be, 20, uh, 24 chapters to go. So we'll see how that ought to take us through most of the summer if we do every chapter, and that's the basic plan at this time. Proverbs chapter 7, and uh, I'm sure that you will see the repeating theme, My son, keep my words. And uh, again, this is the same plea as has been in the past. And let's just read down here through the first several verses. My son, keep my words and lay up my commandments with thee. Keep my commandments and live and my law as the apple of thine eye. Bind them upon thy fingers, write them upon the table of thine heart. Say unto wisdom, thou art my sister and call understanding thy kinswoman. Now, verse 5 starts with that. And so we're going to take a change there. Uh, This is what we are supposed to do, is verses 1 through 5. And here are the key phrases. Keep my words, lay up my commandments with thee, keep my commandments and live. My law as the apple of thine eye, bind them upon thy fingers, write them upon the table of thine heart. Now, those are commands. Those are things we're supposed to do with God's uh, words. Now, how we treat wisdom and understanding. And again, these two words have a lot of overlap and they're used together uh, many times in the book of Proverbs. Say unto wisdom, thou art my sister... And call understanding thy kinswoman. And what I want to bring out here as we look at these first five verses of Proverbs chapter 7 is the word ongoing relationship. Uh, These words denote a continuance. Keep my words. Now, If you keep God's words today and disobey them tomorrow, have you kept his words? No. The idea of keeping God's words is a daily process. It says, keep my words and lay up my commandments with thee. Now, the idea of laying up is putting in storage. If you had someone deliver a gold coin and lay it on your doorstep every day. Would you save it? 
about $1,500, $1,600 an ounce, I, I would suggest uh, that you would lay that up, that you would put it in a safe place. Uh, if you had something, now, I mean, we talk about value of things. God's commandments cannot be bought with money. If you had all of the riches in the world and tried to buy wisdom, would God give you wisdom? No. I remember years ago we had a fellow stop by and he said, well, I want to give the church a lot of money. Well, I'm always interested in people that want to give the church money. Amen. And he said, but I want you to find me a wife. And I said, we don't do that here. He said, but you don't understand. I said, no, you don't understand. I said, you take you and your money and get out of here. That's not what this church is about. Now, we've had people find husbands and wives in our church. Amen? And we rejoice with that. And I'll tell you, there's nothing more fun, more work, at Open Door Bible Baptist than a wedding. Uh, but it's a good work. It's, it's like the icing on the cake. And, and we, uh, I enjoy when, uh, I'll tell you what, when you have that person find that other person, when you can see God's hand bringing people together, there's nothing that is more joyful and more enjoyable than seeing God work in that way. But you can't buy it. But I've often given counsel, if you do not lay up God's commandments, you're not going to find that right person. It's not going to happen. You've got to put them in store. If you have one day, I don't know how everyone else is, but how many of you have good days and bad days? Okay, most of us do. When you have a good day, ask God to help you remember it. Put it in store. Remember the things that you did to keep His commandments. How many of you have ever started the day out perfectly? I mean, you got up early and you read your Bible and you, and you just did everything and the day was a complete disaster. Has anybody had that happen? I'll tell you why. Because you're trusting in the things that happened and the things you did instead of the Lord. Keep my commandments, lay them up, keep my words, and lay up my commandments with thee. Put them in a storehouse. Get them, uh, get, if you need to do symbolism and things to help you, just go buy a little box. I think you can go to any of the junk stores around here and get a little caboodle. Uh, I think that's what they call them, just a, a little box to put things in. And when one of God's commandments is a blessing to you, write it down, put the date on it, and put it in your little box. That wouldn't be a bad exercise, now would it? Now, the only thing you have to do is you have to get the box down every so often and read through the commandments so that you remember the blessings that God's word has been to you. That, that's what it means to lay them up, to constantly remind the, yourself of them. It says, keep my commandments and live. I've often 
tried to help people understand and, and have often had a conversation with myself. When you're struggling, you've got to understand something. This is not just an exercise in serving the Lord. It says, keep my commandments and what? Live. The wages of sin is death. This is a life and death struggle. This is not pretend, my friend. This is the struggle of your life. Keep my commandments. Realize that if you have an issue in your life where you're not keeping God's commandments, it's going to bring death into your life. You can't lose your salvation, but you can lose just about everything else. Keep my, realize, this is the real thing. This is not a pretend struggle. This is not just an exercise in thinking and, and, and trying to do this. This is the real thing. I often laugh at all those people that just, they do all this exercise lift these real heavy weights and they go to the gym and they got big muscles bulging everywhere. You say, hey, could you help me move this piano? It's real heavy. Oh, no, I've got bursitis in my shoulder and I got, I got all these big muscles everywhere. I mean, come on here. I'd rather never attend a day in the gym in my life and be able to work with my body than to go there and do all of those incredible horrible things they do to themselves and not be able to work. That's what it means. Keep my commandments and live. Sometimes we reduce the word of God to an exercise. No, exercise is supposed to be practice for real work. What we're supposed to be involved in is work. Keep my commandments and live. How many were at the family fun night when we did the rest of that? Keep my commandments and live. And my law as the apple of thine eye. How many of you remember what the apple of your eye is? I mean, it's a beautiful picture, is it not? The idea comes from boys sitting on this side of the table, girls sitting on this side of the table, and he goes... And she goes, you know, what are they doing? They're staring at each other. They think they're in love. That has yet to be seen. But if you look at someone and stare at them right in the eye and they you, you can see your reflection in their eye. And that is the apple of your eye. It is that reflection. God says when he looks at us, he wants to see the reflection of his commandments in our eyes. That's pretty cool, isn't it? That, the word picture there is telling us the 
phrase, the apple of thine eye, is something precious. You don't normally stare at something ugly, right? They, they said the primary qualification to be someone in Hollywood to make movies, to be on television, is the fact that you have to have a face that people can stare at. That's why I never have to worry about TV, amen? But the simple truth is, God doesn't want us staring at people and things. He wants us consumed. I'll get them in a minute. Consumed with His Word. By the way, if you don't allow that to happen, you're not going to keep His commandments. That's the entire gist and meaning of this passage. Keep my commandments and live, and my law is the apple of thine eye. Bind them upon thy fingers. Now, I have no idea where this came from, but how many of you have ever tied a little string on your finger to remind you about something? I have never found that helpful. Um, Now, one thing I have found helpful is especially when I'm working, when I cut my finger, I put a Band-Aid on it, and it reminds me not to cut it a second time. Amen? Uh, But the idea of binding them on thy fingers. Uh, If you see some of the uh, ultra-Orthodox Jewish people, they still wear the phylacteries. They're, They're mentioned in the New Testament They'll actually take scripture portions and put them in a little tiny leather box and they will bind them on their hands so that when they look at that box, they'll be reminded of the scripture. Does it do any good? Not if you don't pay attention to the scripture, my friend. Bind them upon thy fingers. You know, there's not much that you do that you don't do with your fingers. Bind them upon your fingers that when you do your tasks during the day, you are reminded of the commandments of God. Amen? And it says, write them upon the table of thine heart. That doesn't mean get a pen out and tattoo your chest with God's memory verses. I, I've heard of people doing that. Oh, I got to, uh, you know, it says, write them upon the table of thy heart. Jesus saves. Oh, come on. Uh, give me a break. Uh, how do you write something upon the table of your heart? You've got to set your affection on it, number one. Right? I mean, we have a saying. We say, I love you with all of my heart. What's that mean? You've set your affections Upon that thing, uh, you've got to be reminded constantly what is in your heart is going to come out your mouth. Now, I don't know about you, but I'd like to stop talking about construction in prayer meetings. But we've got to finish it first. And that's what working with, so that's what we're going to talk about request prayer for but we need to uh, we need what is on your heart's going to come out your mouth 
And then it's, after you do these things, it gives us a different word picture here. It says, say unto wisdom, thou art my sister. Now, I've never had a sister. I've had some sisters-in-law, but uh, there was only three of us boys in our family. And yet, I think I can speak a little bit about the relationship with brother and sister as I've watched six brothers grow up with six sisters. And so there's a lot of things that go on. You know, there is a bond that ought to be in a family. I mean, I've seen some families that just don't like each other. Uh, but in a, in a normal family, there's a bond between brother and sister. Brother is supposed to take care of sister. And you know what sister's supposed to do? She's supposed to keep brother straight. And that's worked very well in Bible college. As brother and sister do different things and involved in, in different activities. And, and sometimes they'll go and they'll say, Sister, you're spending too much time with that guy. I don't think he's the one. And they're not dating or anything. But it's little things. You know, when there's any kind of attention at all in that direction, brother checks out the fellas. And sister checks out the girls. And they get taken off the list awful quick. You know why? Because that's what brothers and sisters are supposed to do. Amen? Now, if you treat wisdom like your sister, that means you're supposed to cherish her, protect her. And if you don't treat wisdom with some special honor and respect, guess what? Wisdom is just not going to be available to you. You've got to make sure that wisdom is kept in its right place. Years ago when I was growing up, it was the Equal Rights Amendment. Does anybody here admit they're old enough to remember ERA and all of that stuff going on? You know what? I believe in equal rights. But first and foremost, I believe in a woman's right to be a woman. That, that ought to be number one. I'll tell you what, I've met some women that I wouldn't want to get in an arm wrestling contest with. Because I'd be embarrassed because I think they'd beat me. Uh, and I don't consider myself a weak man, but I, I'm, I'm not going to put my honor on the line uh, that way. But I'll tell you what, it's just refreshing. It's a wonderful thing. When someone is feminine. Amen? And wisdom here is pictured feminine. That means gentle. I mean, how many of you have ever met? Hello there, how are you? <laughs> Listening to the old radio shows, they have this one actress on there. And I mean, when she comes on, she's on several radio shows and she plays the a uh, big mouth bully woman on several programs. And she even had the marshal shaking in his boots. 
And uh, it was just hilarious. But, I mean, that voice just, oh, just grated on. How can you, you've got to turn this off, get something else on here. But wisdom is not going to do that to you. It's not. It's not going to push you around. Wisdom does not demand. Wisdom is waiting for you to ask. Read Proverbs chapter 1 and 2 and all of these things so far. It says, Say unto wisdom, Thou art my sister. It says, And call understanding thy kinswoman. That means close female relation. There have been people over the years that have said, you can just call me aunt or something like that. I, I'll tell you one special person to me was Mrs. Art Wilson. If you remember back in 2000, we had Brother Wilson and his wife here. Brother Wilson went to be home with went home with the Lord in 2003 at uh, 93 years old. Mrs. Wilson is 96, and she's in a nursing home and and all of that, but she's still puttering along. I got to see her uh, when we went, uh, came home from the home missions conference in January, and uh, she remembered who I was, and we talked for a little bit. You know, she kept me out of so much trouble in Bible college. She was just like a mother. You know what? God will bring people like that in your life. But you know what? You have to call understanding your kinswoman. You have to want that close relationship. You know, when you have a close relationship with certain people, they're going to tell you what to do. Right? Don't you want understanding to tell you what to do? I don't know about you, but I I get a little frustrated sometimes. Uh, Uh... don't want to give any details, but I'll get a call from somebody. I got a call one this week from a fellow. He said, well, my job is just helping and counseling churches. And he went on for about 10 minutes, and I finally just said, now, now, brother, has somebody told you something about our church that you think we need your counseling? Uh, well, um, um, I, I just want to come up to that area. You know, there are some unwelcome counselors out there. You better be careful who you embrace. And I tried to be as gentle and as... I said, brother, I appreciate your ministry. The only reason our church is where it is today is because we have a list. I have a list of men that I counsel with. I I call them up and I talk to them. And I'm finally getting old enough. There are preachers that are, hey, can I pick your brain? Well, what there is of it, you're more than welcome to it. Uh, But the simple thing is... You've got to let somebody tell you what to do. If you don't, you're never going to get understanding. You're not going to be influenced by wisdom in the way that God wants them. He pictures them as women in every sense of the word, graceful and kind and gentle, all of those things that are there. I'll tell you what, there is nothing more beautiful in your life than to live in God's wisdom. Amen? There is nothing that you will receive a greater blessing from than 
waking up to the fact that God has given you a little bit of understanding and you were able to see through a potentially dangerous situation and do what is right. Amen? But you have to have a relationship there. I mean, I have two brothers. The only way we keep in touch with each other, we got to be on the phone. We don't get together very often because of our uh, duties and things that uh, 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 keep us at different places and, and, and all of that, but we keep in touch. You've got to keep in touch with wisdom and understanding. Now, this is the basic things that you are supposed to do. This entire chapter in the book of Proverbs is one complete narrative. It's one set of commands. It's one instruction. And it is the instruction of how to stay clear of immoral sins in your life. Now, if you want this to happen, number one, you've got to keep my words. You've got to lay up my commandments. You've got to put them in the account and keep track of them. Uh, you've got to keep my commandments and live. You've got to understand that this is a life and death struggle. That if you lose, you lose everything. The keep is understood. Keep my law as the apple of thine eye. That when God looks at you, he ought to see a reflection of his word in the, re in the surface of your eye. It ought to be there. It ought to be adored by you and honored. It says, bind them upon thy fingers and write them upon the table of thine heart. Say unto wisdom, thou art my sister and call understanding thy near kinswoman. Now, verse 5, that they may keep thee from the strange woman, from the stranger which flattereth with her words. Now, the idea of strange woman here in this verse, and the stranger is not talking about someone who looks strange, you know, 14 different colors of hair and piercings like a tackle box. Uh, that's not what the Bible is referring to when it says strange. What it's talking about is different, somebody who doesn't belong there. You know, you go through the checkout at the grocery store. The magazine covers are covered with strange women because they do not belong in your attention span, but they want to be. You cannot check the news without finding how pregnant Kim Kardashian is. You know what? I don't care. I mean, I'm not wishing ill in that direction, but I certainly wish there could be a little more discretion and a little more understanding of what life is really about. I, I feel sorry for that kid, whatever it is, because it's going to grow up just as cracked as its parents. And that's going to fur peace. Trained to be in Hollywood. Why would you do that to your children? Well, I mean, it's, it's just insanity. The simple thing is, if you want protection from all of these things that are out there, 
You've got to stay in God's commandments. Marriage is a battle. And it's got to be fought together. It's got to be worked on and struggled. And by the way, we can have an application here as well. Oftentimes in the scripture, adultery and immoral sins are uh, a representation of false worship and attitudes toward God that are not right. He called, uh, read the book of Hosea, it's an entire picture. Hosea the prophet was to marry a harlot, a woman of ill repute. And she ran away from him and he went back to the auction block and literally bought back his wife. And you talk about scandal. This guy was supposed to be a prophet of God. Why did he do that? He said, I did that because God told me to because he wanted you to see the way you are behaving toward him in going after false gods, in going after false worship, in not even being careful about how you worship God in spirit and in truth. I mean, the application is all there. The only way you keep a marriage together today is you have got to be interested in your spouse every day. And you've got to make sure that you do not go anywhere else for anything else. It's a battle that has to be fought. And how you fight it, keep my words, lay up my commandments with thee, keep my commandments and live, keep my law as the apple of thine eye, bind them upon thy fingers, write them upon thine heart, say unto wisdom that you're, that she is your sister, and unto understanding that near kinswoman, that you have people around you. You know, very rarely as we will see in the story that unfolds here, when you get into real trouble, you usually do it when you're by yourself. If you have people with you, you know what? It's easy or easier to do what's right. Well, if you could just understand that wisdom and understanding are walking with you. That's what, that's what it's supposed to be. You've got somebody with you. The eyes of the Lord are everywhere watching. It says, To keep thee from the strange woman and from the stranger which flattereth with her words. Oh, how many times has some unsuspecting sinner been taken by flattery? What's the first job of the con man? He's going to sell you whatever. A fake car, a fake life insurance policy, whatever. What's, he, what's the first thing they do? They butter you up. In fact, I knew a guy that was going around teaching people how to win souls. And he said, the first thing you do is start a conversation. Butter them up. Uh, tell them that their flower garden is beautiful and talk about their dog and just get into a conversation and you can steer it to salvation. I'm sitting here going, you, you know, that's the same thing that they teach you 
when you're trying to sell something. How many of you have ever gotten a call from one of those? uh, We get about 50 calls a month from energy companies and probably 25 or 30 from uh, people wanting to sell us a new copy machine. And, uh, oh, but you you just... And, I mean, they will go on. In fact, uh, my wife had one guy that was just saying, well, you're not being very Christian wanting to hang up on me. And said, you're taking my time. You're, you're disturbing my day. And we don't need your product. I'll tell you, it just... Do not listen. When someone starts telling you how good you are, you better be careful. Now, he says, verse 6, For at the window of my house, I look through my casement. Number one, the pattern of immorality, you will be seen. There's somebody watching you. You can, you're not hiding anything. Solomon said, I just stood in the palace and I looked through my window. And I was watching the people walk up and down the streets. And he said, I was able to discern a young man. I discerned among the youths a young man void of understanding. Now, how in the world did he figure out that this young man had no understanding? How many of you know what the word void means? It means empty, without content. Uh, When you write a check the wrong way, what are you supposed to do? You write void across that check. You know why? Because that means no content. It's an empty piece of paper. It's worthless once you do that. And he said, I saw this guy. What was he doing? Oh, he was probably standing around the magazine store just looking to see what he could and fingering through the videos at the video store and, and, and just wasting time. Void of understanding. You know what the second part of the problem was? He went to the sin. The sin didn't have to come and chase him down. You know what? How many times have said, you take that first step to God and He'll take a step toward you. But let me tell you something. You take a step toward sin and you're going to get caught. Look what it says here. It says, verse 8, Passing through the street near her corner, he went the way to her house in the twilight, in the evening, in the black and darkened night, And behold, there met him a woman with the attire of an harlot, subtle of heart. She is loud and stubborn. Her feet abide not in her house. Now is she without, now in the streets, and lieth in wait at every corner. So she caught him. You know, you think that you're pursuing this thing. You think that you're in control. I mean, this is the number one thing that all temptation has is you're in control. I mean, how many people ever smoke cigarettes? You're in control. You can handle that. T try to quit. Then not so easy anymore, is it? Listen, here's the pattern. He was void of understanding. 
before he went the way to temptation. He goes, he gets caught. She entices him, sin, and then destruction. Verse 21, with her much fair speech, she caused him to yield. With the flattering of her lips, she forced him. He goeth after her straightway as an ox goeth to the slaughter or as a fool to the correction of the stops. Now look what it says here. Till a dart strike through his liver. Wonder why that phrase is in there. Do you know that almost every disease that you can catch affects your liver? It really does. All your blood is processed by your liver every day. 500 life-giving functions your liver does. Remember? Keep my commandments and live. The devil will strike at a critical point in your physical being. As a bird hasteth to the snare and knoweth not that it is for his life. You can lose your life You can lose your testimony. You can lose an awful lot by taking one step in the wrong direction. It's it's a battle that has to be fought. And we end here with these last four verses. Hearken unto me now, therefore, because of what is going to happen. Listen to me, O ye children, and attend to the words of my mouth. Let not thine heart decline to her ways. We've already dealt with this here and all the way through Psalm 119. There are references to inclining your heart in the right direction. Maybe we ought to do a game like this sometime is just get a little flat square of cardboard and put a handle on the bottom and a ping pong ball on the on the card and you have to incline the paper the board to keep the ping pong ball on the uh, card that that would take some skill let me tell you and that is the idea of inclining you want something to run in a certain direction i'll tell you what i start spill i spill something on my tie i want to incline my tie away from my suit and give it a flick so that it doesn't be a big dry cleaning bill. Amen? Uh, The Bible says you can incline your heart and you can decline your heart. That's a choice that you make. Don't let yourself think in that direction. Don't walk, go astray in her paths. Look at verse 26. She has cast down many... What's that next word? Wounded. Well, wait a minute. What what does that mean? You know, normally, you don't step right into the depths of immorality. You get wounded somewhere else first. And instead of going to the Lord to heal that wound, you begin looking other places. 
and this is what goes on, many wounded have been taken. If you're wounded, my friend, you better get back to the Lord and stay as tight as you can with him. Amen? But she is also cast down, slain. It says, yea, many strong men have been slain by her. Now, if you're wounded, you're weak, and you're wayward. If you're strong, uh, that's almost everything now, isn't it? Nobody's exempt. You are not protected because you think you're able to deal with it. Her house is the way to hell. Going down to the chambers of death. They tell the story back in uh, Chicago many, many years ago. There was a bar downtown called the Gates of Hell. Pretty apt name for a bar. Now, you just might get there. But somebody was looking for that bar, and actually there still is to this day since uh, the 1940s, I think, was opened, or maybe even earlier. No, no, much earlier than that. Around the turn of the century, uh, a Pacific Garden mission was opened downtown Chicago. You can still hear the radio programs uh, on different things. It's called Unshackled, stories of people's lives bound with sin who've been unshackled by the Lord Jesus Christ. Some really neat stories. And they're true. And they said, they, the, the Pacific Garden Mission, I don't know if the same sign is still up, but it had a cross. And on the cross it said, Jesus saves on the cross, uh, denoting the mission and things. And someone said, how do I get to the gates of hell? And he says, you see the cross right there? Yeah, it's just beyond the cross. It was just down the street from the Pacific Garden Mission. Isn't that true? It's, it's very true. And you see, we have got to get back to Jesus. You know what? Jesus is in the sin-forgiving business. Aren't you glad about that? Now, aren't you glad? I'll tell you, there's few things that make me more joy when I think about it. I am so glad I'm a Baptist preacher because I don't have to sit behind a little panel and listen to every wicked thing you've ever done. I'll tell you what, you tell your sin to Jesus. I love that. Because he's the one that forgives us. But there are some things you're going to have to do, my friend. It is the little things, it is the daily things that make the difference. Keep my commandments and live in my law as the apple of thine eye. All God's people said. Heavenly Father, we come before you.